The 27th Annual St. Louis International Film Festival got underway last night and will be going full throttle for the next 10 days. Lots of choices, as usual, in films of all lengths and genres. Joining me in studio to talk about the festival is Chris Clark, Artistic Director of Cinema St. Louis, which organized the festival. Also with me in studio is Connor Lewis, Director of Dirty Laundry, the asbestos documentary which we'll be showing. And uh, Lori Miller is director and producer of Day One, which deals with a very special St. Louis school. She joins us by phone. Thank you all for being with us. But, uh, Chris, I'll begin with you and get okay. a little background on Great, what's sure. going on. You've got a jam-packed schedule, obviously. This is the biggest thing we've ever produced, and we're just so thrilled at every single corner and square inch and film that we have. It's, it's truly a remarkable year with more, the depth and breadth of the programming. More than 400 films. That's a lot of film watching. It is. Yeah. Okay. Give me some sense of, of the variety and the, and the groupings that you have. Uh, there are films from, I think, 63 countries. Um, Filmgoers do not need to be anyone other than themselves. They don't need to be film scholars. They just need to like going to the movies. Uh, <clears throat> films by topic and genre, uh, you know, uh, documentaries uh, all across the spectrum. Um, some of them very entertaining, too. Um, so you're not going to be forced to do anything you don't want to. All you have to do is, is like going to the show. Uh, <clears throat> there are a lot of free programs this year. There's, you could go to the festival and see multiple films every day for 11 days and never spend a nickel if, if you're on a budget. Like Connor's film tonight is uh, being shown free two different times in two different locations. So we make it as affordable as possible to the community, and we try to address issues in the documentary streams that are relevant to the community. Uh, <clears throat> and then we just want to entertain the heck out of you uh, with everything, everything else. Do you think there are any potential Oscar contenders in the mix? Sometimes that happens in a festival like this. I think there are. Some of the big studio films that we have uh, with big high-name actors are closing that film, uh, Green Book with Mahershala Ali and Viggo Mortensen. That would be one to look at. Of the international films, though, uh, which I help put together. We have 12 films from various foreign countries that are that country's Oscar submission for the show next winter. Uh, um, my favorite of which is Great Buddha Plus from Taiwan, which is one of the like sleeper hits of the whole festival, I think. Well, you had an opening last night with Nicole Kidman, and a lot of people are talking about her as a possible a possible nominee. For this role in Destroyer, you know, she was not there, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, we, we wish that she was. Uh, one of our one of two Nicole Kidman starring films. Another one comes up on Sunday, Boy Erased, uh, also with Russell Crowe. But she, in this film Destroyer, she was an unrecognizable almost. They really worked hard to make her look gritty and almost dirty as a hard-boiled L.A. police detective. Uh, but the great significance of this film, it was directed by St. Louis native Karin Kusama, who spent her teenage years running up and down uh, the streets of the Loop, worked for Joe Edwards for one summer at Blueberry Hill, had a nice conversation with him last night about that. Um, we gave her our uh, Women in Film Award uh, last night at the show. It was a great way to start off the festival. I've had occasion to talk to her, and needless to say, she's got her fingers crossed that uh, some good comes of that uh, Nicole Kidman role because it will help the film, Nicole Kidman and Karn. Sure. And at the very beginning of my career with this, I was still a volunteer and a board member when I went to the Sundance Film Festival in 2000 and saw her first feature, Girl Fight, which won the festival that year. And we have a poster, signed poster in our in our break room. Uh, so it's nice to have 
and have her back, you know, f- several films and almost two decades later uh, to be with us on opening night. Okay. Well, we get back to our conversation with you and but be part of our conversation with a couple of the filmmakers uh, that, that we have here. We've got uh, Connor is with us in studio. Again, I want to thank you, uh, Connor B. Lewis, for being with us and Lori Miller joining us by phone. Lori, are you there? And welcome. Yes, I'm here. Thanks so much for having me on. Let, let's talk a little bit about each of your films. Lori, I'll start with you. Um, t- t- tell us about uh, Day One. Well, Day One is a story uh, which centers around a, um, a school which, as far as I know, is a one-of-a-kind public school in this country. It's a transitional school for for refugees and immigrants, and it helps kids who have survived war lived in refugee camps and, uh, you know, had, had some traumas, some pretty serious traumas in their lives. And they're able to come to this school and settle in for one or two years, and they get trauma intervention as well as a lot of uh, academics and ESL teaching. And the teachers are just extremely um, dedicated about helping them get through and stay in school. So this is a program that's been proven to really help people stay in school and, and get a chance at a better life. It, uh, it sounds very, very timely. And I, I suspect, I, I've only seen the trailer, but I suspect that uh, it will give viewers an opportunity to get to know the immigrant community better, perhaps, than uh, folks do now. Absolutely. I think there are just so many negative images of immigrants um, out there these days. And I think the film really just shows such a joyous, um, beautiful group of people um, in a way that perhaps we we don't get a chance to see in the news. Let me turn to Connor now and learn something about your film, Dirty Laundry. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is quite different, a quite different uh, documentary approach. Tell us about it. Well, uh, in 2012, my grandmother died of mesothelioma, a rare uh, lung cancer that's associated with asbestos. Um, so Uh, In 2016, my cousin Zach Johnson and I, who I uh, made the film with, we were looking at each other and wondering, uh, what what is mesothelioma? Where did it come from? And so uh, in a much different approach, we decided to cross the country by bicycle and uh, see if we could discover a little bit for ourselves about mesothelioma and the problem of of asbestos in America. What did you find out? Well, we were shocked when we learned how prevalent asbestos is not only in St. Louis, but across the country. Uh, It's really a problem that is truly an American problem in a lot of ways. Um, It's something that started with um, basically what's called the the miracle mineral. It was amazing for everything. Um, You know, it insulated ships that sailed in World War II and it uh, helped build a lot of the industry in America. But we discovered uh, around the 60s, 70s, corporations started learning that it was harmful and uh, that led to covering it up because it was such a cheap mineral. And that ultimately resulted in a lot of lost lives, um, both blue-collar workers and people like my grandmother, who was exposed because my grandfather was a pipe insulator at the Shell Oil Refinery in Roxanne, Illinois. And every day he worked with asbestos, and he brought it home on his clothing, unfortunately. And that's how my grandmother contracted the disease. Wow. Making of any, the making of any kind of film certainly is going to have its, its challenges. It seems to me that yours more so than most because you're on a bicycle going across the country. Who's taking the pictures and how do you direct <laughs> something like this? In hindsight, that probably wasn't the best idea. I don't think riding 4,200 miles from, uh, from uh, Astoria, Oregon to New York City was the best way to approach making a documentary, which is, 
I'm sure Lori can attest to an already very arduous and expensive task. Um, so uh, we uh, we actually just kind of ran and run and gunned with it. Um, a lot of setting up cameras on the side of the road, um, a lot of uh, sweaty, uh, just uh, miserable hot days in the middle of the high plains of Wyoming. Um, but basically, my cousin Zach and I really did most of it ourselves, um, except for a Hail Mary. We, we, uh, at one point, we had to call my wife and say, hey, can you take off work and come out here because we need some help? So um, it, we basically re- relied on each other and friends and family. Lori, what about the challenges you faced in putting your film together? Yeah, we, I, I couldn't agree more that uh, making documentaries really can be a labor of love. And uh, we started filming in October 2016, a few weeks before the election. And we were going to kind of stop and try to raise some money and do some grant funding and any other kind of funding we could do. But as soon as the presidential election occurred, we realized we just needed to grab our cameras and shoot. And uh, so we were sort of volunteering, grabbing people to help us as we could go. And, uh, you know, dealing with a community that had limited English skills and we weren't living in St. Louis. So it was, it was a pretty exhausting um, kind of underfunded experience. But I also think that in cases where you don't have a large crew and you're really just making your film from the heart, you get very close to your subjects and you can get some really wonderful interactions with, uh, with people when, you're, when you don't plan too much and you just kind of show up and and you just try to try to talk to people uh chris you know uh, documentaries seem to always be a big part of uh, the playbill if you will for the film festival what kind of changes in the in the quality and the subject matter have you seen over the years over the years i was talking to connor about this earlier in the early parts of time when i was doing this we were showing a lot of things on film uh, so uh, we've had this very, you and I have think of it as a conversation in the time I've been doing this, that the many generations of ways that people can make films, now you can even make one on your phone. doesn't mean that you should or it will turn out well, but you can, and sometimes they do. But it's the cost of what it takes to make a film um, in general is vastly lower than it would have been if you made something on film, which can be scratched and ruined or polluted. Um, very easily, and then you're left with nothing. But with digital film, you can, sometimes that's the opposite problem. You have, you know, 100 hours of something if you just keep shooting and shooting and shooting. But you can rework it as many times as you want with little degradation, and you could put something, you know, over a long period of time. So anyone can afford to make one. Uh, and then, you know, add-ons, you know, it still becomes expensive in the long run. But, <clears throat> but anyone can tell a, a story with a digital medium. And that's made it, these type of stories, much more affordable, um, to make and, and more powerful voices from lower, you know, the grassroots members of the community who may not have had the means or, or schooling to make something that required much more substantial equipment or training. Um, anyone can tell a story. Anyone can tell a story, but it can be expensive, as indicated, uh, as uh, Chris has indicated. Lori, uh, what about the funding for your film? Where did that come from? The funding uh, was really just some uh, nice. Uh, angels who gave us a little bit of funding to get the movie done. Uh, I worked with a very, very experienced cinematographer who volunteered his time. And he has done this many, many times over and makes money as a um, 
shooting commercials and uh, bigger projects. And he felt very strongly that the story needed to be told. So he came with me to St. Louis each time we filmed and uh, really invested in the film through his own services. As other people who we work with in L.A., we've done other films with, they all felt strongly um, about getting the story told. So basically it was done through volunteerism. And we had our executive producer, Peter Tao, who's a St. Louis native, who rallied the local community to uh, give us some funding as well. Boy, certainly so that's a group effort. That's how we put it together. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, a lot of a lot of separate uh, parts there. Needless to say, Connor, how about your situation? Yeah. Um, well, ours was truly a, a family project. The first people we approached were family members, um, being That's my cousin and way, I. It, seems, yeah. <laughs> it, it is, um, and and we're really a testament to what Chris was talking about—the digital revolution. Um, we were able to quite literally strap cameras to our bicycles and use things that were cheaper than what, um, for example, an actual cinematographer would do. Um, but yeah, we, we also approach certain advocacy groups and, um, and some family companies that um, we have relationships with. And so we were able to scrape together enough for some reasonable camera equipment, um, stuff that you can get a lot at Best Buy or a camera store. And um, it's uh, everything that we used was uh, I would not say the highest of professional things, but I'm sitting here with you, talking with you, and I'm in the St. Louis International Film Festival, so it's certainly possible to put these things together. Where there's a will, there's a way, obviously. <laughs> certainly. I've got to take a break. Let's do this now. We'll come back and continue our conversation on the, this year's the 27th Annual St. Louis International Film Festival. Back in just a moment, this is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening to this St. Louis on the Air podcast supported by University College at Washington University with undergraduate and graduate programs part-time evening and online. University College at Washington University offering world-class education within reach. back to our conversation about the St. Louis International Film Festival. We have with me, uh, I have with me in studio Chris Clark of Cinema St. Louis and joining us by phone is Lori Miller, director and producer of Day One. It deals with a very special public school that we've been talking about. And Connor B. Lewis is the director of Dirty Laundry, the asbestos documentary. Okay, back at it now. Uh, oh, I'm just told now we have another participant in the program, Jane Galuli, the director of Where the Pavement Ends, it deals with race relations, is joining us by phone, too. Jane, nice to have you with us. Oh, hello. Thank you for having me. Well, I'll start with you as I do with the others, because I think it's really important that people get to know more uh, about your film. Give us kind of the overview about what Day One is all about. Well, um, in our film, what, what we're trying to do is, is draw um, some historic kind of connections between the town of Kinloch, which was... <clears throat> is a, a city that exists right next to the um, it borders Ferguson. And the film is, is kind of a comparison of, of an event that happened in 1968 in Kinloch, and we parallel that event to um, the shooting of Mike Brown in 2014. Um, the event in 1968 was, uh, was the existence of a, of a barricaded road between um, the all-black city of Kinloch and the all, at that time, all-white city of um, Ferguson. And the contentions 
between the the two communities and um and eventually the the um the barricade was eventually taken down was it the shooting of michael brown that inspired this actually it, it wasn't um oddly i started to film a few years before michael brown was killed and um and initially, the, the story was just going to be about this closed road on Suburban Avenue and these two towns that existed side by side but had very little to do with each other in the 1960s. And when Michael Brown was killed, we, we slowed the project down somewhat because we, we didn't want to just focus entirely on the Mike Brown story because it, it seemed important to me that, to point out the the history of the relationship between Kinlock and Ferguson as perhaps one of the things that, that led to the, um, the, you know, the problems that were going on in Ferguson. And so I think that what we've really successfully done is, is like I said, try to kind of compare these, these two events. And, um, and it, it, it worked in our favor that we postponed the film for a while. Uh, Chris, uh, the, uh, the, uh, International Film Festival over the years has always dealt with social issues such as this. I mean, that's been a big part of what you're doing, isn't it? It is indeed a big part of our, our mission to tell these very types of stories, particularly when they have local relevance. I want to ask uh, the other participants, too, and I'll start with Lori. What is the value of a film festival such as this? What is the value to you? You know, when when one makes a smaller film, which is what ours has been considered so far, uh, this type of festival, especially St. Louis, because it's it's really been around a while and they are world-renowned and people read about the films here and they come to see them, it gives the filmmaker a platform to get their word out about their story, their subjects, and their message. So it's, it's just very, it's just so uh, appreciated. Uh, to be able to be uh, in, a, in a film festival and to have a platform. To show what, what happens post-festival to you, to you and your film? We are at the very, very beginning stages of figuring out how to release the film. Uh, so far, uh, we've, uh, we've done a few festivals. We hope to do a few more, but we're starting to screen uh, our film on college campuses because we feel that the younger generation is seeing uh, day one and um, learning more about immigrants and refugees, that they may be the people to really make change in our country. And so we're hoping to screen in as many uh, schools as we possibly can over the next year, as well as uh, independent film theaters and hopefully eventually uh, get a broadcast and be able to bring it out to a larger marketplace. Connor, how about uh, how about you? What do you see as the value of a festival such as this? Uh, I would definitely <laughs> echo um, Lori's comments. Uh, it is just amazing to have the platform to be able to reach uh, people. Uh, a festival like St. Louis International Film Festival gives us the chance to really connect with a broader audience um, for a very small film with a problem that is m a much larger problem than... Um, than we even know. So uh, it, it gives us kind of a jumping off point to be able to reach more people and really warn people about the asbestos problem in America. And Jane, how about you? Well, I, I want to echo the other two filmmakers, of course. And, and in, our, um, in our case, we, we really just finished the film. We have had a few screenings, but 
um, we truly have the first DCP that we just saw a week ago. And we haven't had the opportunity to really screen it at all for many of the subjects in our film. So what is really special and what was really kind of the St. Louis Film Festival to do was to invite us um, early enough on that we could connect with all of the subjects in the film, which we've made over a period of five years. And um, many, many people are now going to have an opportunity to see it together um, and in a spectacular theater with a beautiful projection. And it's it's going to, I think, I'm, I'm hoping that people will be really proud about their participation in the film when they, when they see it, um, you know, projected in such a high-profile way. Hey, Chris Clark, Jane's been at it long enough to be uh, the recipient of an award uh, through this festival. Isn't that correct? She and John Goodman, just to throw a few names around. We have seven awardees this year, uh, five of which are from St. Louis. Uh, Jane, in particular, received the Charles Guggenheim uh, Documentary Award. Uh, Guggenheim, also mm. from St. Louis. Sure, sure. And John Goodman, as you, uh, <clears throat> as I indicated, he's uh, got a special award as well. Yes, uh, the Cinema St. Louis Award for you know hometown boy and/or sometimes girl who just really uh, you know have made great strides in the industry. He'll be in town for that uh, as well. Actually, he's been in town for a couple days, hanging out with his friends. Um, he's oh. been one of the most gracious guests we've ever had. <laughs> well, none of us at the no, table no. have been invited. <laughs> no, nor, nor have I. <laughs> Another issue I wanted to get into, and Chris, I'll start, start with you first to set this up. Are you noticing more female involvement at uh, the production director, producer level uh, this year, perhaps than uh, previous years? Yes, I think that dovetails somewhat into what we were discussing earlier by um, the you know overall costs of making a film being lower, and with more and more um, female-centric issues being you know publicly out front and open, um, more people want to tell their stories. More of these people are women. Uh, more of these people can afford to do it. So yes, there are more uh, of of everything. And in the festival, I don't have an exact number, but there are quite a few. Uh, women-directed films, uh, features, documentary, shorts of the 400-something films we're showing. Laurie Miller, it seems like something really is happening in this regard and in, in, in this industry. Yes, I mean, I my background is in producing, and I've been at it for over 20 years, and I had thought about directing, but there isn't a lot of encouragement in the industry for women to actually go out and tell their stories and direct. And this was just my first shot at it, my first chance after really working in the industry for quite a long time. So, um, you know, as a woman, I think I was more relegated to a kind of behind-the-scenes supportive role. Um, but I did I did feel that there were stories that I could tell. And in day one, uh, all most of the main characters, especially the um, the educators, are all women. And they're just unbelievably inspirational women. So... I made a film as a woman about a bunch of really wonderful women, so I hope people will come and see it. <laughs> Jane Galuli, let me put that same uh, uh, position to you with regard to the emergence, that's probably not the right word, but the increased presence of, of women mm -hmm. in the film and documentary industry. Well, you 
know, I, um, I'd actually attribute it more to that programmers are finally recognizing the work that women have been doing all along because um, I, for a very, very long time, have also been involved in a film collective called New Day Films, and it was started by women in the early 70s. And, you know, there was, and it was, uh, for the longest time, there was just all female productions and very high quality female productions. And so um, I think it's wonderful that, that women are being sort of just recognized and programmed now. And I think that's the biggest shift. Connor, have you given any thought to this part of the uh, of the business, the fact that women are are, are playing a larger role? Uh, I have uh, quite often, actually, um, in, in lots of talks with my wife about filmmaking and and the way forward. Um, I I'm I'm excited to see what's happening in the future, and I, I really I'm, I actually just had a daughter about nine weeks ago, um, so that starts oh. to change your whole perspective about women and women's issues in America. Um, thinking about her growing up and and the abilities that I've had creatively, um, and uh, it it certainly it it's really cool to see just how someone like myself can um, take a small camera and make a film, and it's really exciting to see how just about anybody, um, especially I think how many great high schoolers are out there, even in the St. Louis area, just waiting to get their chance to make something. It's really interesting to think what the world is going to be like when your daughter grows up to be a young filmmaker. <laughs> it's, I can't, at this point, I can't even imagine. <laughs> It'll happen quickly. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm mark, sure. <laughs> mark my words. Chris, let's come back in the time we have left, which is not much. Uh, what thoughts do you want to leave us with uh, or do your commercial for the film festival? Ten days to go. Ten days to go, yes. Uh, there is literally something for everyone. Uh, I want people to go see something they want to see, and then maybe if they have the time and wherewithal to challenge themselves and see something that they wouldn't normally see. That's what festivals are for, to see films, narratives, and documentaries of things that you wouldn't normally see at the multiplex or on you know, Amazon or on Netflix or something. Just These are things that you have a rare chance to see in a community setting. <coughs> Enjoy yourselves. Where can folks go to find out what's playing and where? Uh, the printed programs are out in the world. Uh, this week's Riverfront Times and at all the screening venues like the Tivoli and Plaza Frontenac. Uh, but everything in entirety, uh, days and days worth of scrolling and reading on cinemastlouis.org, our website. Okay. We'll put a link to that on our website Great. as well. Great. Thank you. And I, I don't have time for a full-scale response to this, but do you have another project in mind, Connor? Is something coming up? There's always things in the works, Don. Lori, how about you? <laughs> something in the works? I'm thinking of some ideas, but I'm, I want to do some research on uh, foster children in Los Angeles. And uh, uh, Jane, in five seconds, you have a project? Okay, in? I think, yeah, probably some sort of expanded cinema idea using some of the material from where the pavement ends. All righty. Well, thank you all so much for being with Laurie Miller, Connor Lewis, Chris Clark, and Jane Galuli. Best of luck to all of you. Thank Don, you. Don, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.